Hello and welcome to From Fear to Fire, Secrets to Overcome Fear, Embrace Your Gifts, and Achieve Success. This is the place where real people share real challenges and where you can find a common bond and uncommon wisdom through their journeys to help you move from fear to fire. I am Heather Hansen O'Neill. I am your host, and I am thrilled to be with you here today again. Today's quote is by Francis Bacon. It is heaven upon earth to have one's mind move in charity, rest in providence, and turn upon the poles of truth. You'll understand why I came up with this one momentarily when I introduce my lovely, amazing guest today, Don Marie Katsonis. Ignites the auction stage with her passion and heartfelt commitment to the organizations she serves. Don Marie has presided over countless record-breaking charity auctions nationwide, including a number on the Wine Spectator's Top 10, and the dollars she has raised are in hundreds of millions, and the number grows every week. Don Marie is based in Southern California and can be found at gavelgirl.com. I love that website. That's fantastic, but not as fantastic as my guest today. Welcome, Don Marie. Thank you, Heather. I'm so excited to be with you today. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to have you on here. You guys are in for a treat today. Don Marie is a, a definitely a fireball for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Before I get into, you know, my questions about, you know, how to help people understand what you do from this auction stage, is there anything else that you would like to share with people about your background or how you got to where you are today? Sure. You know, I was very fortunate, Heather, um, growing up in Long Island, New York, to have um, the kinds of parents who just really uh, were so supportive of who I was as a child and whatever my natural, you know, gifts and talents were, um, that it, it really set me on my course at such a young age, even though I didn't realize that that's what was happening. Um, a favorite, my favorite story about that is my dad was a hairdresser in New York City and I used to go to work with him every Saturday. And there was one particular Saturday when um, we were walking back to Penn Station and my dad, uh, as was the practice, would put me up on his shoulders as we would walk through the crowded streets of Manhattan. I thought it was because my dad just loved me so much and wanted to have me nearby. But as an adult, I've come to realize it's because I was little and I walked too slow. But <laughs> I, 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 to this day, I'm appreciative of the fact that in, he didn't instead just yank me through the crowded streets and right. yelling at me for not keeping up, you know? <laughs> so there, perched on my dad's shoulders, we as we approached Madison Square Garden, I saw a man on a cart, on a two-wheel dolly, and his um, legs had been cut off at the knees, and this was during the Vietnam War, so he was obviously a soldier who had returned from the war without his legs, and it um, it just struck me so, you know, just deep in my soul to see this. I'd never seen anything like this, and I yelled to my dad, Daddy, stop! And my dad stopped walking, and he said, What? What? And I said, Daddy, look, I whispered in his ear, that man! He has no legs. And my dad glanced over and he said, oh, man. And I said, Daddy, we have to help him. Oh. And my dad said, well, 
what do you mean? Like how? And I said, I don't know, daddy, but maybe he's hungry. You have to at least give him money. And so my dad took out his wallet and uh, took out, fished out a few dollars and kind of crumpled it up in his hand. And as only, you know, a little kid could do, I reached out and I said to my dad, daddy, give him all your money. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And my dad glanced back up at me and he said, really? And I said, I said, but daddy, he has no legs. And so my dad reached into his wallet and he took out every single dollar he had and crumpled it up and walked over to the guy and he said, hey, man, because, you know, everybody called everybody man in those days. Yeah. He said, hey, man, thank you for your service. And And the guy just lit up because someone had stopped to talk to him and someone was thanking him for his service, which at that time, you know, the Vietnam War was very contentious. And mm-hmm. so, you know, so returning soldiers were greeted with, you know, differing levels of enthusiasm on their return home. So this guy just lit up and then my dad went to shake his hand. And when he shook his hand, he palmed him this huge wad of cash. And the guy just looked in disbelief at my dad and he looked at me and he looked at my dad and he said, oh my God, he says, thank you, man. Thank you, man. God bless you, man. And then Heather, this man looked up at me and he said, God bless you. And he said, and God bless your daughter. And he looked me right in the eye and he said, little girl, I hope you have a really great life. And Heather, I felt it in every cell of my being. All my little hairs stood up and it was such a profound moment. And, uh, and a moment later, my dad said, well, you know, man, we got to run. We got to catch a train. And we raced down into the station, into the track and got on the train. And my dad found a seat and he sat me down beside him. And he was kind of laughing and crying at the same time and shaking his head. And he looked over at me and he said, thank God I have a monthly train ticket. <laughs> He said, but I have no idea how you're getting home. (laughs) And then he looked at me, Heather, and he said, Dawn Marie, I love being your father. Oh, my God. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, when you're a kid, people always ask you the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? And when when people would ask me that, um, I would always say, I want to be a performer and I want to be a teacher and I want to make the world a better place. And people would always ask me, well, what's that called? And I didn't know. And I remember asking my dad one time, Daddy, what's that called? And he said, I don't know, honey. Maybe it doesn't even exist yet. Maybe you'll invent it. Hmm. And when I think about the kind of the course that my career has taken, that's essentially what I've done. And I, I truly believe that I have the confidence to stand up on a stage in front of hundreds and sometimes thousands of people and boldly ask them for money because the first time I ever asked anybody to give money, they did and they gave all they had. Mm. Oh my so God. my parents really helped me to find my fire at a young age. You know, I think that so often kids have that fire in them and it gets kind of put out. Exactly. I mean, what a gift that so many parents would have come up with all of these reasons why, you know, they could just give a couple of bucks or we need money for the train or whatever. Absolutely. Well, because the other thing my dad said to me on that train ride home was (laughs) he, he was looking out the window and then he looked back at me and he said, he was shaking his head and he said, I have no idea how I'm going to explain this to your mother. 
my gosh. So, you know, I'm sure that I want to hear about what your mom said, but that moment where he turned to you and told you, you know, how much he loved being your dad, like, yeah. That's, that's the emotional connection yes. that cements totally this, this type of character in a being right totally absolutely and i think that even if we're not you know we're not fortunate enough to have the kind of dad that i had who um really just has the heart to to jump in the pool with mm -hmm. with you like that um i i think that um what I've been able to do throughout the rest of my life is do that for myself. And I think that any of us has the ability to create that shift and do that for ourselves. Cause let's face it, you know, the world can be a tough place at times, you know, and you know, parents, I believe that, you know, parents do the best they can, you know, it's like uh, Oprah used to quote my Angelou, you know, saying, you know, if, if you knew better, you'd do better. And I think that for, that's the case for a lot of parents, you know, it's like if they knew better, they would do better. But you know, at some point we become adults and we just have to be able to parent ourselves through the rest of our lives. Oh, exactly. And, and in doing that, in making good choices, you uh, leave a ripple effect to everyone yeah. around you. Yeah, absolutely. And it's about just, you know, having the faith to say, you know, I'm going to just believe in myself enough. One, one drop more today. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and, and kind of like my dad said to me, you know, maybe it doesn't exist yet, but you'll invent it. And Lord knows, Nowadays, you know, with uh, the pandemic and the impacts of that, you know, people are having to reinvent themselves every day. Exactly. I mean, change is the norm. That's what people have to do. And so you were taught that at a young age, like I said, a true gift from your parents. Yeah. Um, for those of the listeners out there who don't really know what a charity auctioneer does, could mm -hmm. you kind of fill them in a little bit? Sure. So um, many people, when they think of an auction, they they think of somebody selling cattle or cars and humming, 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 sold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and that's essentially what I do, except that instead of selling cattle or cars, I'm selling um, prizes mm -hmm. that very generous people have contributed for the benefit of charities and nonprofit causes that they care about. And so I work at large scale live events, you know, none of which are happening now, obviously, um, and that are attended by um, attended by philanthropic and average people who care about a particular cause, whether it's a national health cause like cystic fibrosis or somebody's local school. Um, and I stand up in front of this audience of guests and essentially sell these prizes in exchange for charitable contributions uh, to the cause. And my probably my favorite component of any charity auction is um, a, a, a segment called Fund a Need, which is when I'm not selling any prizes, I'm just asking people to make contributions to support the mission of a cause. You're basically asking them to go into their wallet and yeah. give you all their money. 
(laughs) (laughs) Right, right, exactly. And you know, you'll laugh because you know, oftentimes when, when guests who have seen me at other events, um, see me walk into the ballroom or the tent or wherever the event is being held, I've had guys just jokingly take their wallets out of their back pockets and just, just in mass, just hand them to me and say, (laughs) Don, you might as well just take them now because you're going to empty them anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And it always makes me think of my dad. Yeah, of course. That is so awesome. You know, most people really, really hate asking people for money. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they might be listening to you describe what you do for a living and be like, oh my gosh, that sounds so hard. So Mm -hmm. how do you do it? Like, is there a you know, a trick or a a mind game or what, what do you do? Yeah. The secret is I never make it about me. Mm. Uh, So when I did my very first charity auction, um, uh, it was an event in Los Angeles that was attended by a very large number of um, famous, famous actors, actresses, and people from Hollywood um, in the Latino community. And Hector Elizondo, um, who was on the show Chicago Hope, and um, and uh, he, he's probably, I always think of him as the hotel manager in the movie Pretty Woman. Yes, yes. So Hector Elizondo was sitting right in front of me, and when they introduced me, it was my very first auction, and I was so nervous that um, when they when I got up to the stage and they handed me the microphone, I thought I what I really wanted to do was run out into the parking lot and throw up. <laughs> but <laughs> I got up to the stage, and my hand was shaking so much holding the microphone that I grabbed it with my other hand, and then both my hands were shaking. <laughs> and I glanced out into the audience, and Hector Elizondo caught my eye. And he looked me in the eye and he just slowly closed his eyes and kind of nodded his head down. And, and in so doing, he kind of communicated to me, just take a breath, kid, you're going to be okay. And in my mind's eye, I was like, right, Hector, I can do this, you know? And so I started talking about the cause, the charity that I was representing. These doctors who were willing to take their vacation time and go to the far reaches of the world and provide free healthcare for people. Mm -hmm. And as I talked about the cause, my nervousness subsided. And it was in that moment that I discovered the secret to doing anything successfully, and that is figure out how to get our ego out of the way. I love it. I love it. You know what? That is so true. And I'm I'm in the middle right now of doing um, a program on purpose, right? Mm. And their purpose, and it's all about recognizing you know, how do you find that thing that's bigger than you? So what you get the great joy of doing is doing that all the time, right? Absolutely. Always bigger than you. Absolutely. You know, I've been really thinking since I was first introduced to you, I've been really thinking about just the name of your business, Find Your Fire. And as someone who um, grew up in a cold place like New York, uh, the notion of fire uh, in my young life was a, a just gave me a warm, fuzzy feeling, you know, just the feeling of sitting in front of a fireplace and that, that feeling of kind of being mesmerized by fire mm-hmm. and how, and how relaxing and centering that that is. And now as an adult living in a place like California, where we battle wildfires, it, you know, the notion of fire takes on a whole different meaning, meaning, but in both cases, as I thought about it, um, I realized that fire can be this 
kind of all-consuming thing. Even to fight a fire that's out of control, um, firefighters have to be singularly focused in order to in order to you know to be successful. You know, when I when I started doing charity auctions, I was a commercial, industrial, and real estate auctioneer, and I did charity auctions for free on the weekends just as a way to give back. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, um, I, I am just so so fortunate in that. I have been able to create a business and a career out of something that I loved so much that I was willing to do it for free for 10 years. Wow. And I think that that really is for me what finding my fire um, means. It's about finding that thing that I'm so passionate about and that awakens that internal fire within me and also that demands that I be so singularly focused in order to manage it because that, that thing that we're meant to do is always bigger than us and that's the part that scares us. Yes. But that's also where freedom lies. That's where, you know, that's where, um, that's where the magic is. I mean, I'll tell you, when COVID hit and, and my, my you know, multi-year event calendar collapsed like a house of cards, the grief I felt was so profound, it was as if someone that I dearly loved had died. And I'm not being even slightly dramatic. And when I say that, I mean, every, every day that I had an event that had been on my calendar that was canceled, I cried. I mean, I literally cried. And, uh, and there was one, one weekend in particular uh, of, of a weekend of, a, of an auction called A Culinary Evening with the California Wine Masters that I've done for 30 years to benefit cystic fibrosis. Um, and I love that event and the people that attend it and the people that run it so very much that I thought, oh, I'm going to send out a few texts um, just to let people know I'm thinking of them. And I thought, oh, I'm going to attach a few photographs. Well, Heather, by the time I was done, hours had passed and I had put together this photo montage set to music that I sent out <laughs> to all of these people and put it on Facebook. And But I have to tell you, as I, I, as I created this photo montage, I was weeping. It just came from the depths of my soul. And I thought, how lucky am I that I miss my work so much that I'm sitting here sobbing because I can't, I can't, I don't get to do it right now. Right. And that's the key that you don't get to do it. It's not about the, the making of the money, which is, you know, we have to make a living, but it's about doing the thing, right? Absolutely. You're so passionate about what you do. And I feel that too. And in one of my, um, one of my driving forces is to help other people find that and feel that and and what it does for the world when people show up. Like I hear your voice Mm -hmm. right now, even though I can't see you, I still, in my mind's eye, I see you smiling. You're radiating. Your, Your energy is coming across to everyone who is listening to this. It's unbelievable. And it is bigger than you, yeah. you know, yeah. so it's much so bigger powerful. than powerful. Now you found your fire. How, like, do you have any, you know, suggestions for people yes. who, are, who are out there and they're, they're searching They're they're kind of, their fire's a little dim right now. Yes. 
I absolutely do. You know, I have a foster daughter. She's uh, 18. She just started college in the midst of the pandemic and is doing online classes and all that. And, you know, what I often have said to her um, throughout her younger life and still continue to this to this day is I, I, I tell her, I say, you know, you will spend the majority of your awake hours as an adult working. So frankly, I don't really care what it is that you pick and decide to do. The single most important thing is to decide who you want to be. Mm. And then focus on the things that you truly love. Don't pick a career um, based on money or income or future trends about making money and things like that, because I guarantee you, you will be miserable. There will be things you will have to do. Yes, you will have to pay bills, pay taxes. You know, there will be things you will have to do, vacuum, you know. But don't don't make your 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 career and your work be one of those things. Pick things that you love and have the faith to to kind of pray with your feet moving. So, you know, you, you you know, like, I I mean, you know, as a kid growing, you know, girl growing up in Long Island, I didn't say, oh, when I grow up, I want to be a charity auctioneer, but I focused on what were the things that I loved? Well, I loved performing my, you know, my dad, when I said, I want to be a performer, my parents could have said, you know, honey, you don't sing that well. And you're not a very good dancer, you know, (laughs) you know, and, and when I said I wanted to be a teacher, um, they could have said, well, just focus on that one thing. And when I said that I wanted to make the world a better place, they could have said, well, that's too big of a, of a, of a thing. Mm-hmm. But instead, you know, they said, those are all great things and you'll figure a way to put them all together. And so, you know, my advice to anybody that's, you know, struggling right now with, with whether it's because of the pandemic or just because where maybe the pandemic has given them five minutes to stop, step out of their kind of hamster wheel and to realize that they hated the job that they've done their whole lives. Well, that's the, that's a great blessing. So take this moment to kind of sit quietly and ask yourself if I could do anything and nothing could stop me. What would it be? And, you know, when we go to sort of like self-improvement classes and read self-improvement books, they, they tell us to do these things, but um, it feels too big. And, and that's why I love the, the saying, pray with your feet moving. It's like, you know, just take it one day at a time, one step at a time. Ask, ask yourself, your higher power, God, however you hold that. Um, what should I do today? Don't worry about 20 years from now. What should I do today? And then do that one thing and then see how that feels. And then the next day, ask yourself the next question and take one more step and ask yourself, how does that feel? Because the strongest guide that we all have and the greatest source of guidance that we all have is our own internal intuition. That's our gut. Oh my gosh. I can't even tell you. I love, 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 love that. Pray with your feet moving. It's just so... Perfect. Yeah. Oh my God. Because I think, I think so often what we do is we sort of pray for guidance and, you know, and God or our higher power or our intuition might say, turn left. And we might turn to the left and look to the left, but we don't actually move to the left. And then we stay stuck. And then we say, see, things just don't work out for me or whatever, fill in the blank, whatever sort of, 
you know, um, uh, disaffirming thought that we might be inclined to have. But you know what? It takes a lot of guts and it takes a lot of courage um, to take those first few steps. But just like a train, just like anything else, just like an avalanche, it bu- it builds momentum, and it's only hard in the beginning. Once 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 the car is moving, it's easy to change direction. That's true. That's true. The movement is so so important. The momentum, the energy that I keep coming back to. You know, it's almost more like the movement and the check-in with the intuition is more important than the direction and i think where so many times we all get stuck it happened to me at the start of the pandemic i was like well now what am i going to do and i kept feeling like i had to figure out the direction and the destination first and that was nearly my undoing Mm -hmm. and then i decided you know what dawn this is not the right this is not the right, right way to be handling this you need to start movement. And so I started thinking about who were the people. So, you know, it was almost like I felt like I was in a war. So I thought, okay, who do I want in my foxhole right now? And I started reaching out to those people. And as it turns out, we were all in the same boat. And as we started kind of talking, we came up with a new plan. And it's kept us all busier this year. Is it what it was in the past? No. Has it impacted my life tremendously financially? Of course it has. But you know what? There have been great blessings in in this crazy year, in spite of it. There really have. And you know, it it it's all in where you choose to focus, right? Because there are there are bad things, there are good things, and you you know, yeah. moving forward toward the good. And I, you know, I'm glad that you brought up that you were able to find a way through because I wanted to come back and ask you, you know, how 2020 has changed the way you do business. Obviously, like me, like I do a lot of live events, right? So you're, you're, you know, what you do are live events. Have, have any of them changed to virtual or did you just kind of shift to something else? Yes. So, you know, the, 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 the single sort of pivotal moment for me was, um, a conversation I was having with a mutual dear friend of ours, David Reederman, when Mm -hmm. he said, you know, what his, his, his mantra, which is things don't happen to me, they happen for me. And, uh, and at that moment I was really feeling like things were happening to me. And, you know, David's, you know, said that to me enough times that it was like, it finally sunk in. And I thought, okay, if this is happening for me instead of to me, then what's happening for me. And, um, and then I got my ego out of the way and I went back to what I learned at the start of doing charity auctions, which is, it's not about me. It's about all these causes. And then I was like, oh my God. The same thing is happening to all of them as well and for all of them as well. And all of a sudden my focus shifted from, you know, what I felt that I was losing to feeling an obligation to help them through it. And so I started reaching out to clients and we started figuring out how to pivot to virtual events. And it was very much like, building an airplane while we were racing it down the runway, hoping that it would get aloft by the time we ran out of runway. And I have to tell you, it has been wildly successful and wildly rewarding. And, um, and for me at 56, it's been incredibly exciting to figure out how to invent something completely new. 
It, that is really amazing. I, you know, I think that when people can make that shift that you made and that we've made and that, you know, in finding a new way of doing business for me, I know I'm going to continue having the, the virtual platform as a part of what I do. I can't Absolutely. wait to go back to live events, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to learn the lesson from this year, that this is an additional way to share the message and to help clients. Right. So without question. Yeah. So what do, yeah, you, without think, question. do you think that the, the nonprofits have been, um, able to keep afloat with this now? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, things are, things are different. Um, so those that have embraced the change, um, are finding that their supporters are really stepping up in a big way. Um, mm -hmm. There's been so much more of a grassroots feel to to fund development um, than you know than what I've witnessed over the say the last you know at least almost 20 years, really since 9/11. Um, and what I find happens during a crisis is that people that truly care about a cause, they inherently understand that that these causes rely upon their their generosity and their philanthropy in order to um, help people that even on our worst days, there are so many people whose best days don't even compare to our worst days, mm -hmm. you know? And so, um, so yes, those that have embraced the change are flourishing. Those that, you know, tucked tail mm -hmm. and were just too afraid to do something different, um, you know, they're suffering. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right there, you could fill in different words, but it's basically the same thing throughout life, right? When yeah. we embrace the change, it, you're, you're going to find a way to flourish. And Without a doubt. You know, Heather, I keep telling my clients, you know, if we do something as opposed to nothing, if we do something, it will be different. And it may not it may not raise as much as our live event did in 2019. Mm -hmm. However, you will get to keep a hundred percent of something as opposed to getting a hundred percent of nothing. <laughs> well, that must hit home for them. It seems so clear to me. <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. And the other, the other thing that I think is so vital is this, you know, um, nonprofits stand up in front of their audience of supporters every year and they say, fill in the blank, you know, XYZ Gala is the single most important fundraiser of the year for our cause. Mm -hmm. If they do nothing for 2020 and they do nothing for 2021 because things aren't, the environment isn't conducive to doing what they were accustomed to, how on earth in 2022 will they stand up in front of their audience and again say, XYZ Gala is the single most important event of the year. How will their audience of, of supporters not be sitting out there thinking, well, you didn't have this event for a year or two years and you're still here. So how important could it be? Right, right. Yeah. So they, they, will, they will lose credibility. Yes. that's. They true. must do something. I don't care if it's get on the phone and dial for dollars. They must do something as opposed to nothing. Hmm. You know, I, I'm getting so many 
nuggets here, Don Marie, that you're really challenging me to come up with that one thing that I put on your graphic. Like I'm thinking it's like I, I've got a million great ones inside of my head right now. You're killing me. <laughs> Stop it. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, well, you know, and you know why, Heather? It's because I found my fire. Yeah, there you go. Wait. No, I mean it's true. It's true, and in fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a footnote on my my estate plan today that says, "Here lies Dawn. She found her fire." Because <laughs> you know what? It's the reason why my quality of life has been so off the charts amazing for decades because I found my fire, and you share your fire. Yeah igniting everyone around you, Don Marie. And I got to tell you, you, I am so grateful for Thank you, you spending this time with me, with our, our listeners. You know, You're I welcome. know that, you know, because you never stop giving, you have a free consultation. Could you share a, again, your website? We'll put a link. Don't worry, folks who are driving. Sure. We'll put a, a link in the show notes, but can you share for those have their pen, who have their pen ready, share the website again and a little bit of information about this consultation. Sure, sure. Um, my website is very simple. It's gavelgirl.com, as in uh, auctioneer's gavel. So gavelgirl.com. And uh, and Heather, um, I'm happy to to do a free consultation with any nonprofit. I don't care how big or how small. Um, I've been in this business since 1986, and um, you know, I, I'm I. Whenever I talk with first time clients. They hang up the phone and say, they, uh, you know, before they hang up, they say, oh, my God, you've been so generous with your time and your expertise. Like you give it all away. And I say, well, that's because I can only be in one place at one time and I can't take any of it with me. So why wouldn't I share it all? So any nonprofit, I don't care how big or how small that is, you know, struggling with um, how, how to support their missions during this time. I'm happy to talk with them about what their challenges are and share my 33, 34 years of experience with them. Oh, what a gift. Now, do you want me to add um, your email for people to contact sure. you? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So, so folks, we'll have that so that you can reach out to Don Marie. I highly recommend that you take advantage of this incredible offer um, because you saw what she gave us here in 30 minutes. Can you just imagine the gifts when she's focusing all of that energy directly on you and your organization? Oh my gosh. Okay. So yes, we've gone through our time already. It just flies by. It Do really does. Have- I know. I, you know, I told you it was going to go fast, but this was ridiculous. Do you have any final words of wisdom that you would like to share with our listeners today? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I would say that uh, be of good cheer. Um, when I was a little girl, my great grandmother, Carmela Blazucci Russo, um, I asked her uh, how it was that uh, she lived to be 102 and was always just so happy and, you know, had such a good attitude. And she said, Dawn Marie, it's because I remind myself that things are always changing. And that was very encouraging to me when things were the way I didn't want them to be. Um, But then she said something that was even more profound. And she said, and you'll have to remember that when things are exactly the way you want them as well. So things are always changing. And, you know, there's an old cowboy saying, ride loosely in the saddle of life. And, you know, if if you ride a motorcycle or you ride a horse and you hang on too tightly when you 
get off, your knees are killing you. But if you can manage to perch atop whatever it is that's getting you through from point A to point B, you know, through to your destination and just not hang on too tightly, you'll enjoy the ride. And when you get off, your knees won't hurt. So be of good cheer. This isn't going to last forever. Ah, brilliant. Thank you so much. And for those of you who are listening right now, you got to share this one. It's brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Heather. Thank you. And thanks for all you do. Thank you. You have a beautiful day. You too, my dear. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye now.